welcome to Skeptics, the weekly show where we take a deep dive into the world of tech news, politics and research. I'm Nayana. And I'm Josh. And today I'm delighted to say we're joined by our friend and colleague, Emmy Hine, who is undertaking a PhD at the University of Bologna. Uh, great to have you with us, Emmy. Um, we've got lots to talk to you about today. Um, and we're looking to have you on the show for a while. So really excited to have you here. Um, I wonder if you could just kick us off. We always ask people at the start of the show to give us a little bit of an oversight of their research and how they got to here and maybe what you're focusing on at the moment. Right. Thanks. Um, delighted delighted to be here. I've listened to every episode of Skeptex except for the uh, last succession one because I live in hope that someday I will actually get around to watching it. <laughs> yeah. That is a great commitment. Love to hear that. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, really, really happy to be, to be with you guys. But um, yeah, so as Josh said, my name is Emmy, and I'm a first-year PhD student at the University of Bologna in Italy. And I was I'm formerly of the Oxford Internet Institute, where I did I did the Master's in Law, Science, and Technology. And now I'm focusing more on uh, virtual reality, extended reality, and uh, the sort of human rights impact of of those technologies. And so, yes, lots of uh, lots of recent news around that and happy to talk. Yeah, happy to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Great. Um, so maybe, you know, you could kick us off with some of the things. I, I know you have a Substack and you kind of write about some of this stuff as well. Uh, maybe you could go, kick us off with some of the things that you've been thinking about recently with regards to the metaverse. Um, it's one of those ideas or concepts that we sort of don't talk about that much on the podcast because we're almost afraid of like what does the metaverse actually mean and what does it entail but I'd, I'd love to hear about what you've been thinking about recently yeah so I mean the secret of the metaverse is that no one actually knows what it is <laughs> you know yeah. every every company that uh, that works on the metaverse every policy document that talks about it they're all talking about different things and you know saying that they're that they're the same thing so in my research I actually try to focus more on the umbrella of extended reality um, because you know all of these all of these technologies at their core are you know something virtual reality augmented reality mixed reality those all fall under the umbrella of extended reality so it's really um, you know it's it's tricky but important to to figure out exactly what we're talking about especially because metaverse so often gets wrapped up in a lot of the web 3 web 3.0 stuff um, you know crypto and blockchain and all these things that aren't really inherent to the the technology itself. Yeah, that that makes a, a lot of sense. And I think also another thing we've spoken about in the past is the sort of branding exercise that some of these things represent, particularly Metaverse, obviously Meta, the company renaming itself with a, a nod to that term. Uh, and of course, just last week, we saw the launch of Apple's own first foray into this space with the uh, Vision OS or uh, Vision Pro headset. Um, so I just wanted to get a sense of your your first take on that. I mean, typically when Apple enters a new market, uh, it it does seem like that's the time when the market has become mature. So do you see it that way as well? And if so, you know, is this a big step change for extended reality or is this just yet another sort of attempt to jump on the bandwagon of it? Well, it's going to be really interesting. So, uh, going back to your last question about what I've been thinking about recently, I've I've been thinking about sort of the origins of uh, VR and XR and, and the metaverse. And you know, uh, we see, like you said, this is a really new, um, still a very new area for Apple to be 
entering. And it's interesting because they are taking sort of, uh, they're taking a really different approach from meta. You know, meta, um, I don't know, people say that they, that a lot of their um, ideas come from uh, sort of external sources. Um, and a lot of their metaverse vision is sort of cribbed from sci-fi, like Snow Crash and Ready Player One. It's very immersive. It's about, um, you know, virtual worlds. I mean, the, the metaverse, it's about uh, gaming. And Apple is, a, Apple has a very different vision. You, with the, they've got, well, no pun intended, um, the, the Vision Pro. It's, the demo was really interesting. I mean, it looks, in terms of the graphics that they, you know, that they're projecting, it looks very crisp, very Apple. But the experience is, seems extremely different from Meta's. Their Meta's whole thing is about connecting people, connecting the world. But Apple in every demo, um, it's just a sort of a solitary person. Um, and, you know, they had they had a few where, you know, a dad was playing with his kids and recording them on, on the headset. And I think that's been sort of mocked a lot on <laughs> online. But they're presenting a really different uh, vision of what extended reality looks like. It's um, first off, it's more uh, about augmented reality. You know, they did not use the term virtual reality. They did not use the term metaverse, um, even though you can actually toggle between virtual reality and augmented reality. But it's much more solitary and it's much more work oriented. They have these demos about where you're watching a movie, but the guy is just sitting alone on his couch watching watching this movie, whereas the Meta um, Horizon Worlds demos, you know, it's, you know, come, you know, watch a movie with your friends, go to a comedy show with your friends. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how um, how those two visions mm-hmm. compete. Thank you so much. I mean, that's really interesting. It feels like you're presenting this diff- two different ideas here. So um, the kind of Apple vision of technology that we use by ourselves and perhaps the metaverse vision of technology that we share and we use together. And there was a lot of excitement about, I mean, obviously there was a lot of mockery as well of Apple's new technology. Um, maybe one thing that is going to be prohibitive is the price. Um, I noticed that, you know, a lot of these technologies it's hard to imagine them changing the world or changing the way we use technology if they're so prohibitively expensive. Um, how do you feel like, I mean, not to make this too much of a sort of market pitch for Apple, but how do you think that factor does impact the way these technologies might be adopted? No, absolutely. I mean, it's $3,500. <laughs> it's it's yeah. even mm-hmm. more expensive than people were predicting. And, um, and you know, Apple... Apple Apple devices have always been, you know, sort of luxury devices, but even that seems pretty 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 up there even for even for them. Um, yeah, I guess it's very much something that people don't need, so they're kind of putting the price pretty yeah. high. <laughs> but I th- I mean I think I think what they're betting is that it's going to be like the the Tesla Roadster maybe, you know, it starts out insanely expensive, a uh, sort of very niche luxury product and then as you know and then it sort of diffuses out into uh into as it diffuses out into the world you know people use it are people using it more they sort of see that it's something that they want and then the technology kind of diffuses down into cheaper uh more mass market devices because yeah i mean it's it's like if uh if they had 
launched the Apple Watch with only the, what was the the edition, the, the $10,000 Hermes one, you know, it would not have, yeah. <laughs> it would not have had as, as big an impact as the watch did. And even that was, was a sleeper hit. So I think they're betting that it's going to be some combination of the Roadster and Apple Watch that'll kind of get cheaper and cheaper eventually. And um, as this, this spatial computing grows in popularity. Yeah, I was, as well as that um, purpose to sort of bring the cost down over time, I think the impression I got was that they're also trying to like get a new app ecosystem going early so that when ordinary people quote unquote can afford to to buy this, um, there'll be a a much greater range of apps to to use. Do you think that's going to work? Are app developers going to be willing to do this? And then if, if that's the case, potentially... What does it mean to have Apple in charge of yet another kind of app-based <laughs> ecosystem, one that may be even more powerful than previous versions if it does take off? Like, should we already have our antitrust fangs out thinking about that uh, in terms of what that might mean for this new market? Gosh, I think I think that's that's more up your alley, but I can I can take a stab. I mean, I think that Apple has a major um, asset on its side that that it is Apple. I think that app developers will mm-hmm. be attracted to that because you know because of the Apple name, the Apple money. It sounds like they are going to be working with developers maybe to help build out this ecosystem. But it was interesting in the um, mm. in the demo that it didn't seem to have a lot of purpose built apps. It was you know here's pages mm. on your uh, here's pages you know in front of you here's Safari in front of you. Um, they had that they have a collaboration with Disney. That they announced, uh, but it was you know not didn't have a ton of a ton of details. But yeah, in terms of the App Store uh, ecosystem question, it is it is going to be interesting to see what Apple what Apple does with that. I mean, you know, I think I think what they'll argue is that you know it's just sort of another form of computing that they're that they're sticking their fingers you know they've got uh mobile computing they've got desktop computing they've got um I don't know, whatever you call the, the, the watch you know personal computing um uh wearable computing i don't know and then they've got this the spatial computing but if it does become as widespread as uh as they think it will be then it will be another huge ecosystem that they're um that they're in charge of and i mean meta at least is making noises about interoperability and um, working to make the metaverse kind of a universal platform. And I mean, Apple mm-hmm. does not, that is, that's not Apple's thing. Um, they're very much the, the walled garden. Yeah. yeah, I guess we're kind of speaking to, we were talking to one of the issues that I think is kind of very relevant to thinking about the metaverse and thinking about um, these technologies, which is that, you know, we're kind of speaking to the the future of technology without those technologies actually being in play. And we're trying to predict, okay, well, where's this going to go with the metaverse? I think a lot of, as as you suggested, Emmy, a lot of the talk about the metaverse is just talk. You know, we're not yet in the situation where people are kind of living online. We're not yet in the situation where the metaverse has been or can be adopted to any significant degree. Um, I think for a lot of people, the metaverse is still kind of a joke, um, and I wonder at what point, if, like, do you think there will be a point where, the, where that switches, where it, it is, you know, or do you think this will always be the kind of, the kind of fantasy that we're looking at? Um, do you, you know, I, I, do you think these technologies can be, can kind of experience the same level of penetration as maybe more what we think of as banal, everyday, ordinary tech? 
Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I hope for the sake of my thesis, I hope that it uh, <laughs> that it that it carries on growing in popularity. But as as you said, you know, it is the, the Twitter got so much uh, so much content out of you know legs are coming to the metaverse, uh, the which you know yes. rightly so. That was great. That was a great moment. <laughs> and uh, I think you know maybe Apple will bring a sort of legitimizing force to maybe not the metaverse because that you know they're very deliberately avoiding that but just to the mm. idea that uh vr and ar xr is, is something that could become integrated into our into our daily lives you know i mean there have been so many attempts with the you know the google glass and the snapchat glasses and all these things and apple you know, Apple's taking a big, a big swing and a big bet that they'll finally be the ones to uh, make this a thing. And, you know, maybe, maybe they have the money and the clout to, to do that. Yeah. And in fairness to them, they are the device people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when we, when we think about who makes devices, we, we do think of Apple. They're the device people and they're the, yeah, they're exactly. the privacy people. So I think that's another major concern that people have is, you know, I don't want mm. meta, I don't want Snapchat, whatever, vacuuming up my biometric data. Yeah, I suppose the kind of fallen reputation of companies like Meta um, and the fact that they're maybe trying to claw back some of that reputation and be the cool place again where where people go, uh, which is something they've not had for a good 10 years, I'd say, is maybe a factor in, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of business factor in all of this, but it's difficult for a company that's sort of down and out in terms of how cool it seems to make a platform and to make technology that everyone else thinks is very cool. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the sense that I get is that people, and I think Facebook has a bit of a, a, a boomer <laughs> reputation to, um, you know, they, as you said, Definitely. they haven't been, they haven't been the, the sort of cool hit platform for a decade and their messaging isn't really isn't necessarily helping with that i think and face or uh, apple really isn't they're not positioning themselves as a social platform but they may but they do have the they do have the reputation to maybe bring this into um into a more into the into sort of the public consciousness as something that is you know interesting and you and cool definitely you, you mentioned um privacy which is maybe a good segue into thinking through some of the uh the other things you mentioned about your research you mentioned focus on human rights as well um how similarly or differently should we think about human rights in the context of say the metaverse or xr compared to the sort of classic debates we used to having about um things like free speech uh, on conventional social media yeah a lot of the a lot of the issues are fundamentally the same. You know, we're going to have to protect yeah. people's right to assembly in, in the metaverse and the right to uh, right to speech and uh, you know, protect people's safety and, and privacy. But I think a lot of the issues is that our frameworks and laws aren't set up for an immersive online context. So, I mean, the, the you know, the, the GDPR didn't, uh, you know, its distinction between processors and controllers didn't, and then data flow restrictions didn't anticipate that you'd have, you know, a global, uh, global platform where people from different jurisdictions are interacting with each other in a form of virtual presence. And, you know, the platform is 
processing the data and um, controlling the data. And so it's all, it's all very, it all becomes very, very blurry. But yeah. then there are also, there, there are some people who say that it's, you know, that our basic, the basic frameworks are still fit for purpose in terms of human rights. We just need to apply them in, in different ways. But then you also have people who are arguing that we need new human rights, like, um, that ranges from sort of the expansion of personality rights to to apply to an avatar, so you kind of own your avatar's image, um, to you know new the right to um, mental self determination and experiential authenticity. It's a, a Rosenberg thing, and then new neuro rights like uh, Chile uh, enshrined in in their new constitution. The you know the the idea that you have a right to the protection of your uh, brain activity yeah phd PhD worth full of stuff i'd say (laughs) yes i have to say that i'd never heard of the concept of like thinking about how the metaverse will impact human rights i really hadn't thought about all the things that you're talking about and partly that's because this kind of domestication theory of technology maybe it's not until technology is like in our homes and used really widely by us that we think about um you know what sort of rights should be accompanying it um and because of the newness of some of these technologies it's hard to say whether it'll just be a passing fad or this is just where we're going now as you say the number of different companies working on this kind of stuff suggests maybe this is where we're going um but there's also so much happening in the world right now all the time on these other platforms that it's difficult (laughs) um to make a set to to kind of know okay what are we thinking? How many years will it take? When will we see this kind of technology being adopted by more than just big tech fans in Silicon Valley? So when we think about Apple, we think about Google Glass and the movements towards um, the adoption of this sort of, of, of technology. You know, what do you think the sort of, yeah, like when do you think we might be thinking about these in a more domestic sense? Like, do you feel like there's, who do you feel like Apple and Meta are kind of pitching to? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 no tech forecaster, but I think you know, as you said, uh, <laughs> Apple is definitely pitching towards the sort of uh, tech, you know, Silicon Valley um, tech tech elite. Uh, you know, I I I think that they said that uh, it was actually the the Vision Pro is actually only going to be available in Apple stores in the states uh, in on on its launch. Yeah. Uh, so very, I can't imagine with that price point, it's very, it's has be pretty difficult to launch it outside, to yeah, be honest. No, absolutely. And even, I mean, I was talking to a good friend of mine from when I, when I worked in uh, industry, I was a software engineer uh, in Boston and he, you know, he's an Apple fan and he um, is really enthusiastic about new technology and he has you know, he has cash to burn, but even he was like, I don't know if, you know, this is something that yeah. I can, that I can justify. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if it even is able to land with that, with that demographic. Um, Meta, on the other hand, is definitely pitching towards the more mass market. You know, they, uh, their devices range from, I think, well, they bumped up the price of the, the Quest 2. So, the, it ranges from like four or five hundred dollars to um, over a thousand dollars with the Quest Pro, which they actually had to drop the price of the Quest Pro from fifteen hundred dollars because I imagine it just wasn't it wasn't marketable uh, at that at that price point. But they are definitely trying to make it more 
um, I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're trying to be the sort of uh, Samsung or Android of, of, of the metaverse where it's more um, still, you know, definitely expensive and definitely, definitely a luxury purchase at this, at this moment, but trying to market it to a broader audience. Yeah. Just sort of piggybacking on what Diana mentioned earlier about domestication and how we sort of integrate these technologies into our lives. I mean, let's say, you know, 10, 20 years ahead, this technology does get adopted and maybe Apple is and, and Meta are market leaders in that at that point. Um, you know, what, what does this do to society, do you think, besides rights, which are obviously super mm-hmm. important, but just the sort of kind of day-to-day interaction of people? You know, are we really going to be, I mean, as you say, that, that clip of the dad at his own kid's birthday par- uh, pr- uh, party wearing it, you know, as a physical barrier between them. You know, are we going to just get accustomed to that just like we got accustomed to people holding up phones at gigs and, you know, potentially recording us at any given moment with their phone out? Or, you know, is do you, do, just purely based on your own speculation, is there a limit to this stuff? Is there just some level of technology, some level of hardware that's just too dehumanizing for us to get behind? Yeah, if there is a limit, I think that it... I think that it would be the idea of something covering our eyes and and faces as we're interacting with each other. I mean, yeah. we we all got used to people walking around wearing AirPods, you know, walking around with their phones. Some people wearing masks. Wearing masks. Yeah, wearing masks. I was going to say. Um, yeah. But there, I feel like there is sort of a fundamental difference between just something obscuring part of your face. Like, I mean, sunglasses. You know, people walk around with sunglasses, and yeah. no one no one bats an eye. Um, and something sort of mediating how you might be seeing other people and whether you're seeing other people, mm. you know, uh, Apple's mm. Meta's devices all just sort of block, um, totally block your eyes. Apple's has this, uh, I, I see eye vision, um, this, this feature where it'll project your eyes onto the screen when someone comes up, uh, comes up close to you. And to me, it was a little uncanny, but you know, maybe maybe that's something that we'll get used to. Um, maybe the idea of people... Yeah, or perhaps the design will change yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Right? These things, you know, it's the, we're seeing the first iteration of these things. They're not always going to look like this necessarily. Exactly, and I mean, if you look at the first iPhone compared to what we have now, if you look back to early computers compared to what we have now, you know, they well, the form factor is constantly shrinking. And so, you know, you could imagine a point where maybe you do reach sort of a more Google Glass type form factor where instead of ski goggles, it's just glasses. Um, that's such a fascinating point, Josh. I think that's a great question about, um, you know, is there a level where it's just dehumanizing? I was at a gig the other day and everyone had their phones up, even when like the musician was like, please, can you just put your phones away for this song? And there was there were people in front of me who literally recorded the whole thing on Snapchat, which, yeah, it was interesting because it was very young people using it. And which it. gig was it, Nina? It was Coldplay. Oh, I thought this was the Beyonce one. <laughs> no, it was Coldplay. I have been, good. yeah, I've been at the gigs this month. And he just begged people to put their oh, phones gosh. away. And um, <laughs> they were like still putting it on Snapchat and TikTok. Um, but obviously the, the the cost factor means that it's not necessarily going to be those people recording it. But I think it's interesting that we, we are, I think, used to a certain level of dehumanization. Um, I mentioned before about this idea that maybe Apple is betting big on the idea that people want to be alone but still experience things together. Um, you know, the idea that you could be alone in your house but it feels like you're at a concert. That's quite a tempting idea for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Maybe we got used to some of that idea, some of that kind of stuff during uh, lockdown where mm-hmm. we were used to some experiences but from the control and safety of our own homes. 
Um, and this vision of the future where we're all just kind of maybe alone, but still doing the same things just from our own houses. Like, do we feel like that's, I don't know, a question to both of you, I guess. Do we feel like that's something, like that's an accurate depiction of what people want and where we're going? Do you feel like Apple is willing it into existence by, you know, creating that tech? Because I looked at that and I was like, oh, I love being around people. I don't want to give that up to see that on my on my expensive headset. Yeah, no, that's definitely... It, it is interesting because so many of the experiences that they put forward were the were kind of solitary, and they. Um, I imagine that yeah. that in Apple's you know technological development that they're going to try and make it so that you can be you know in your headset and with other people who are also in their headsets. But that is the the big bet that all of these companies are taking. That you know we want to be socializing more from, you know, the, the comfort of our own home. And maybe that's where, maybe that's where, you know, maybe the, the headset outdoors at your kid's birthday party never catches on. Um, but you know, inside you are, you know, watching a replay of it or, you know, FaceTiming with your family who couldn't be there and showing them these kind of 3d videos. And then you pop into a concert, you know, some people might, you know, you say that, uh, that, you know, going to the Coldplay concert with, with friends is kind of like the best experience. And I can imagine someone saying, you know, well, I, you know, maybe I go to the concert and I'm in the nosebleeds and I can't really see anything or I put on my Mm. headset and I'm, or you don't like people. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't, I don't don't like these people. I don't want to be, be near these people. Yeah. Or I put on my headset and I'm right in the middle of the show. Just to put my cynics hat on for the second my suspicion with this is that apple has built its kind of whole digital economy around uh, digital products that it can take a fee on and generally we haven't seen people have been very uh, used to paying for social interactions the social networks and so on but certainly nba games or beyonce concerts they can take their 30 percent cut so i that's my suspicions why they're why they're driving it in this kind of cultural direction is that it's very easy to skim the top off uh, the transaction fee for cultural products compared with like social transactions, which is Mark Zuckerberg will tell you is very hard to get people to directly pay for, but just a on conspiracy theory. That's a great, that's a great theory. Yeah. It's an interesting point. Oh, cause yeah. Cause I was, I was, I was wondering as I was watching this, you know, they were talking about how, you know, your biometric data stays on your device. And I was thinking, you know, well, how are they, how do they monetize this? You know, it seems a little, a little mm. too good to be true, but yeah, the, the, skimming off the top of of paid experiences is a really interesting really interesting idea to think about yeah and i think you know with some elements of this i mean apple of one thing that apple have done quite well in the last couple of years is apple tv plus which is their like home streaming service which they because they have so much money um they managed to get amazing writers directors and actors um and i do think that as cinema has moved more and more into our homes with more and more streaming services we talked about tv just last week on the show and how good it is now um i definitely think tv and film will experience a change as as a result of this for people who are really into it and can afford it because um that that is something that kind of changed fundamentally during the pandemic Mm. and also tv is excellent at the moment we're definitely seeing this golden age of prestige tv and you can't watch, you can't leave your house for that anyway. If, if you're if you're going to watch that at home, you may as well watch that in the best way possible, right? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, they had this uh, this demo of a Apple had this demo of a film where um, they entered. It was um, you know, they started watching the film and they projected 
a static environment that kind of matched the the vibe of the film and you could you mm. could see instead of that just being a static environment you could see that being the environment of the film if they filmed it with a 3D camera which you know and then Apple has Apple TV plus so i imagine that they are probably yeah i would bet that they are filming something even you know a short even just a short demo of you know where you will be in the in the action if you have this headset Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of taking cuts, our free Zoom conversation is coming <laughs> quickly to an end. And we, we're too cheap to pay for the paid version. So we better wrap it up. But uh, this has been a great chat. I mean, it's been um, you know, covered a huge amount of ground and given us loads of food for thought. So very excited to see what you do with us in, in your PhD. Great timing for you, obviously. Um, but yeah, really good to have you. And we've talked a little bit about your Substack. Um, how can people, if they want to find out more about your thoughts on this or follow you on your journey, I guess, as you study these things, how can they read you? Oh, I, well, I am, I am still on Twitter, uh, reluctantly at Emmy Hine. Um, hey, don't worry. <laughs> also Mastodon, um, and, uh, you know, the, the various other Twitter replacements. And then, yeah, my Substack is, um, <laughs> The Ethical Reckoner. Um, so oh, typing it into Chrome now to make sure I have the, the, the handle right. It's, <laughs> we will um, definitely make sure we link the proper one. Thank you. But yeah, yeah. it's ethicalreckoner.substack.com. Uh, so, you know, very somewhat a regular publication, Great. but uh, that's cool. where I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having Thanks for bearing with us. Listening uh, to the show as well. I uh, really do appreciate um, you, you taking the time to listen to our episodes as well. And to everyone else, we will be back next time with more conversations about tech. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.